welcome to the Steroids Podcast with your host, Dan the Bodybuilder from Thailand. Steroids Podcast is brought to you by Ultimate Guide to Roids, 109-page ebook by Dan the Bodybuilder from Thailand. Now, for the first time in bodybuilding history, you have someone with no corporate interests and no obligation to please anyone, not walking on eggshells to not offend. Ultimate Guide to Roids gives you the information, the whole information, the whole truth, not a full truth and a half-truth. Full truth. Ultimate Guide to Roids gives you the keys to the Lamborghini, gives you the information, and lets you decide what to do with it. It's a crime this information has been suppressed this long. Now let's get on with the podcast. First question of the day is from Roger, and it's a good one. He asks, how would it benefit someone's life, and why would someone want to take anabolic steroids who isn't a competitive bodybuilder. And I think a lot of the people, the majority of the people who use steroids are not competitive bodybuilders, but just your average gym goer in the gym. And the reason to use them is because when you're putting a lot of time and energy into the gym, you want to have results to show for all that time and energy. So for one reason, to use them would be hey if you decided that going to the gym is a passion of yours and it's something you really like doing well then you're going to want to use tools in order to make what you're doing your passion more fun and to be able to take it to a higher level like a higher skill level a higher level of attainment and that provides a way of working towards something and satisfaction in life because you're you have a goal you have a picture of what you want to do and then you're able to go and do this journey where you change what you look like change your body and it's fun to do that so a lot of guys who are natural they really love going to the gym and they love bodybuilding but they sometimes look in the mirror and feel to themselves like man I spend so much time and effort uh, with my food and going to the gym and with thinking about gym and everything, but this is all I have to show for it. And those guys, you know, there's definite, that's definitely a logical, reasonable thing to be feeling like, because with a lot of other uh, like hobbies or skills or passions, the more work you put into it, you can keep on leveling up and get higher and higher and higher. But with natural bodybuilding, I mean, you hit a wall after a few years. You hit a wall and you can keep on making some adjustments, but you never get where you're trying to go. So it allows you to more fully enjoy Um, going to the gym and doing bodybuilding a lot of guys when they first signed up and decided hey I want to go get a gym membership like they had this picture of of themselves in their head like I want to be fucking jacked like I want to I want to have huge muscles and and be super strong and if that's not materializing for them naturally after a few years that's like natural to feel frustrated and to think okay well The reason why I went to the gym was not to get to this natural limit. It was to get to um, this more jacked up, juiced up physique. That was always the original reason for entering the gym. Not to just get fit and put on a bit of muscle, put on a bit of strength, something like that. No, it was to attain a much higher level of development. That's what a lot of guys are doing when they go to the gym. So... Uh, that's one reason to use or that guys choose to use steroids who are not competitive bodybuilders. But another reason, too, is that also being bigger and more powerful um, physically affects the way that people treat you. 
So when you have a bigger, more developed body, um, for one thing, you're more attractive to women. Uh, that's just the way it is. Um, and when you're bigger and it's not fat and you have as much mass as, you know, mostly anybody, you know, because if you're like 220 pounds or so, unless people are fat, other guys are fat, you're going to compare pretty favorably, you know, no matter if you're uh, short or average height or even if you're tall. Um, but you're going to match up to other guys uh, more favorably. And it affects the way that people treat you um, because people just naturally give more respect to bigger, stronger, more powerful individuals. It's it's instinct. And, I mean, that's been shown in the workplace, too, by having, like, uh, like taller men normally having, like, higher job uh, positions and stuff, like more job promotions uh, because they're bigger. They're physically larger in stature, and it has certain advantages. And anybody that's taken steroids can tell you that, you know, life changed um, a few months after they started taking steroids because uh, people treat them differently. Uh, when you're going through your daily life and you're interacting with people, they give, if if you're a steroid user, um, compared to when you weren't a steroid user, you will just receive more respect without doing anything to deserve it, simply because you are bigger, stronger, more physically imposing, and physically powerful. It's just a natural instinct that people have. And everybody who's, you know, used roids can tell you that, yeah, there was a huge difference here because that's the way it is. That's the way it is. That's the way it is in this world with these human beings. So that's another reason why people, why someone would want to use steroids if uh, they weren't a bodybuilding competitor. Um, but there's a lot of, there's a lot of other reasons. I think it's mostly though just that going to the gym is fun and you want to get a lot um you want to get a lot back for your results and the reason you start going to the gym is cuz you envisioned having a certain outcome and uh so you're doing what it takes to meet your goals. All right, the next question is from Ed. He says, "Really appreciate all your work. People seem overly scared of performance enhancing drugs to a ridiculous level. It feels a bit like the dark age." to be honest yeah i agree with you <laughs> he says it sucks ass for people to put down to be put down for even discussing these things you can definitely tell the all the research and testing that you've done uh, he's going to be jumping on a trend a cycle going to run 350 milligrams a week he just tried trend enanthe at the end of his last cycle at 150 milligrams per week but he definitely felt it especially its nutrition partitioning effects. He had serious sugar cravings. In terms of health and gains, how would you go about carb intake while on trend? Thanks, man. Yeah, so with the, the carb intake on trend, the great thing about trend is that it does better than any other steroid is that it functions whether or not you give it food. And that is such a powerful thing because absolutely... Uh, carbs make it work better for building muscle, but I'm sure that uh, you felt this a little bit on your trend and anthate cycle, and you'll also feel this on your trend uh, acetate cycle that you're going to be doing here, especially at 350 milligrams per week. That's the golden number. That's the magic number where you get the full character and effects of trend. Um, when you get to that uh, 100 milligrams every other day of trend acetate, uh, that that opens up a new realm in what you knew was possible for your body and in bodybuilding. When you go to the gym, the level of performance that you were able to have there um, and the way you feel while you're lifting weights, working out, uh, it's such an incredible feeling. Um, the pump is unreal and you really feel this all-powerful euphoria feeling uh, from Trenbolone. And that's why it is... Uh, it's so uh, such a controversial drug because it has all those effects and then it has a bunch of negative effects to go with it. And so it's a balancing act. It's a balancing act. 
and uh, <laughs> uh it's it's going to be cool though man like i you know definitely the best cycles that i've ever run were with you know potent trend so as far as the uh the carbs that's the thing is that super draw if you don't want to use trend super draw can do a lot of what trend balone does so super draw at like 30 milligrams per day it uh is pretty much does to your physique very similarly and also your strength very similarly to what trend balone does uh but it doesn't do that unless you feed it a lot of carbohydrates and so that's a common theme with a lot of steroids is that they really need carbohydrates in order to get those performance enhancing benefits where they're super pumped up and they have all that glycogen fuel storage and you're really just smashing smashing the weights and one thing you'll notice that is pretty cool um and you can try out next time you go to the gym is you can just uh immediately when you're after when you finish weightlifting you can eat gummy bears or you can eat some other kind of sugary treat or uh drink something like a couple gatorades or something um this time uh the pre the post-workout window that first like 60 minutes after you finished weightlifting when you're on steroids is such a amplified time for recovery and muscle building like when you're natural it, it doesn't really matter quite so much it's like uh you know as long as you eat sometime in the in the next three hours after weightlifting but when you're on steroids that la that first 60 minutes when you're done you can take advantage of um stuff like uh sugar and like whey protein and uh it's like throwing gasoline on the fire you know like sending a freaking sending a freaking roman candle shooting into like a bottle of gasoline or something it's wild because your muscles just suck up that sugar like crazy so that that is steroids in general being on steroids in general like in order for them to really have their best effects and be working the way that you imagine them to and want them to um they've got to be they've got to have carbohydrates in there um and out of all the steroids the only one that can still function without that and and still be like kicking major ass is trenbolone it, it is uh you know if you don't eat any carbs for example on trenbolone that shit will recomposition you like a motherfucker like a motherfucker it uh so and and you'll still gain strength and shit and get hard like hard and, and gain a lot of strength hard muscles uh but then if you do eat the carbs you can eat a lot of carbs and they'll get filled into your muscles and you will get very strong and very big and grow a lot of muscle and have like the best gym sessions ever so if you're trying to grow on trenbolone my my opinion is eat a lot of carbs you know because you can handle them it has major nutrient partitioning effects like it and uh you can you can eat a lot of junk food actually on trenbolone and gain like pure muscle um it really it basically it will if you give it if you give it food it turns that food into muscle that's how trend is and if you don't give it food well it starts burning your fat and still kind of keeps building muscle. <laughs> that shit is crazy. <laughs> so that's what I think about Trenbolone. Um, if you have high blood pressure issues, okay, uh, carbohydrates are going to be a factor. Um, this is a problem that a lot of bodybuilders have is they have high blood pressure. And one of the reasons for this is because they are eating a lot of carbohydrates and if you eat a lot of if you eat it really indiscriminately like uh you know how they say like clean food and dirty food so eating the the dirty food you know the the fast food or the junk food um it raises your blood pressure it has a lot of processed ingredients and impurities 
um, and then the, just the carbs in general um, because the carbs attract a lot of water into your body with it. Uh, so if you do have blood pressure issues, the uh, solution would be to uh, clean up your diet and try to get your calories all from clean foods. So if you're eating things like the only carbs you're eating are things like rice and uh, potatoes, you know, that doesn't really give you a lot of water retention. Uh, but if, you know, your carbs are coming from like pizzas and uh, shit, you know, bur uh, burritos or something, <laughs> shit like that, then it does. I know it sounds weird, but, uh, you know, conventional wisdom and bro science there is the way that that pans out in the real world. So at, if you're having blood pressure issues on steroids, the way to handle it is to first clean up your diet so that you're not eating uh, junk food, you're eating all natural, unprocessed foods. And then the second thing to do is to reduce your carb intake. Uh, and if you reduce your carb intake to under 50 grams per day, man, you don't really, you just don't have blood pressure issues because uh, you drain a lot of the internal pressure out of your body since you're not eating those carbs. Uh, you don't hold the uh, extra two grams of water inside your body for every gram of carb you eat. So lowers your blood pressure a lot. And steroid users, make sure you remember that one because that's an important one. Don't want to have to be on dialysis or destroy your kidneys from high blood pressure. That would be terrible. All right, next question is from Aaron. Uh, but before... Uh, I want to clarify for you guys who uh, that that was serious about the the blood pressure, but that's not something that happens in one month or or in two months. That's something not even that happens in one year or two years. That's something that happens over many years. If you have high blood pressure over many years, um, it can destroy uh, your kidneys over time. So that's something that when you notice it, you want to make sure that you do something about it and don't just let it be a thing that's hanging around for years, okay? Having chronic high blood pressure. That's no good. All right, so Aaron's question is, hey, Dan, I've done a cycle. It's a pain. Everything that's involved, such as injections, keeping estrogen down with an AI, that's a, an anti-estrogen tablet, and taking a PCT like HCG, and all that to get my balls to get back to normal. My question is, what's the point in doing all this if I lose the gains after a month of discontinuing, I gained 15 pounds, then lost the same amount of weight in a month being off. I still train hard and get the calories in. I don't get why I couldn't maintain it. Yeah, that was a really good question. Uh, thanks for sending that one in, Aaron. Um, so there's a lot to be said uh, about what you said about it's a pain. Um, taking steroids is a hassle. And so I get a lot of guys, uh, especially when I was in Thailand, um, a lot of guys would, who weren't bodybuilders that I would hang out with would see me and see that, uh, like, especially women in Thailand and men ha had like a really good, uh, reaction to muscle. It, it's, it's seen like as, you know, something really to be uh to be uh celebrated and to be proud of there uh it's it's really a, a good social status symbol <laughs> and uh, and you know so they'd see that and i was always open you know like yeah yeah i'm bodybuilder in thailand you know i use uh steroids so they would ask me you know like should I take steroids? You know, like they wouldn't even be like gym guys. Well, they would be gym guys, you know, but not real serious gym guys. They were like casual weightlifters that went to the gym, you know, one or two times a week or something like that. Um, and uh, they they would see the, the kind of respect and attention that I got um, from men and women for being um, just for being muscular uh, when over there in Asia. And they would it would make them think uh, about using steroids and if maybe they should do that and they would ask me they'd say uh, well what do you think man like do you, do you think I should use steroids uh, and I would say you know what man 
I got to say this. It's a hassle. So this is what I would always tell them. And I would say it's a hassle. So unless this is something that you really want to do and you're willing to, you know, make changes in your life and uh, not not just be some silly little thing that you're messing around with, but something that you're committed to for a while, you know, more like years or uh, or or bodybuilding. If bodybuilding is something you want to be committed to for a while and you're uh, going to be OK with making, you know, big changes in your life and dealing with the hassles that come with doing this, uh, like Aaron said in his question, injections, keeping estrogen down with tablets taking hcg to get his shrunk balls back to normal after cycle losing his gains when he's off steroids and then gaining them back again when he gets back on steroids and shutting his fertility down again and then having to do another pct and take novadex and hcg like this is something that you don't want to get involved in unless you're really serious about what you're doing and um it you know if if you're not if you're not really serious and and you're not like I have serious goals that, that I have to meet, okay? Then you, it's probably better just to steer clear. Um, that That's my advice. That was always my advice to those guys in Thailand. So if they were guys that weren't really into bodybuilding or weightlifting, you know, but they just did it casually and they could see, wow, there's a lot of benefits to taking steroids, but it was just something they did casually. It wasn't something that they were really passionate about. You know, they'd ask me, you know, should I take steroids? And, you know, my, my opinion was like, probably not. You should probably steer clear because it's just going to be adding, like, stress and a hassle to your life. And it's not something that you're really into. Now, if some somebody wanted to do, like, one cycle or something, yeah, absolutely. Go do it. Um just to experiment with this and to uh and to see if it's for them you know what they think about it or see what it's all about see what this shit is all about if they just wanted to do a cycle you know that's very natural and you know what you could do a freaking cycle and never even shut your testicles down if you just go like if you want to take steroids and figure out what steroids are all about you can just take hcg while you're taking the steroids, okay? You can take HCG, take a 1,000 milligrams a couple times a week um, while you're taking your steroids, and your balls will never shrink. They'll never stop producing sperm. They'll never stop producing testosterone. Um, and then when you're finished taking the steroids, um, keep, keep taking the HCG for a, a couple more weeks and then stop that, and you will have done your steroid cycle and you will have kept your balls functioning the whole time. And there's no uh, fear of like some kind of like permanent uh, low testosterone level or permanent no fertility. Okay. Let me tell you a little bit about fertility. So men and women both um, use the hypogonadal pituitary axis. Okay. Or the hypothalamus <laughs> pituitary gonadal axis. I messed that up royally. So I've messed it up royally. So it's the hypothalamic pituitary gonadal axis. Okay. And that's how, that's how they, uh, their body and their brain regulates their fertility. And the, for the fertility is controlled by a feedback loop. And that means signals going between, uh, the hypothalamus, the pituitary gland and the gonads, which in the female is the ovary. And in the male is the testicles, okay? So the way that birth control works is the same way that testosterone works to shut down your natural testosterone and sperm production when you take it, okay? So when uh, she takes birth control pills, birth control pills are a combination of estrogen and progesterone, okay? And then uh, steroids are molecules that are similar to testosterone, the male sex hormone. So the female sex hormone... The female sex steroids are estrogen and progesterone and the male sex steroids testosterone so when she takes the birth control tablets her hypothalamus uh the birth control tablets are progesterone and estrogen her sex steroids 
the hypothalamus recognizes the high levels of the estrogen and progesterone in her blood, and then it shuts off releasing a chemical called gonadotrophin-releasing hormone that would go to her pituitary gland, and then the pituitary gland, in response to receiving that signal would that, from the gonadotrophin-releasing hormone, would then release luteinizing hormone and follicle-stimulating hormone that would then go to her ovaries, and then her ovaries would do their reproductive issues and make estrogen and progesterone and stuff, okay? But since she's taking it artificially in tablets, her brain says, oh, there's too much, there's enough in here, I don't need to make any, and it shuts off. So it shuts off her fertility, and she stops uh, being able to have a baby uh, while she's taking the birth control tablets, and uh, she uh, doesn't make her own hormones while she's taking the birth control tablets. It's hormone replacement. So when you take the steroids, it's the same thing, okay? You are, your hypothalamus recognizes, oh, too much testosterone and estrogen and uh, too much sex steroids. And so it shuts off stimulating the pituitary gland, which stimulates the testicles, okay? So that's uh, how that works. So people that say, like, oh, there's permanent shutdown from taking steroids, like there's some kind of demonic chemical or like meth or something. I mean, I'm like, what the hell, dude? Women are using birth control tablets and coming off of the birth control tablets and having babies all the time. It's not like some crazy thing. It's just, uh, it's like when you d interrupt the feedback loop, the hypothalamic pituitary gonadal axis, it turns off. And when you stop and you have sufficient time afterwards, rest, you know, and that sometimes takes between like one, two, or even three years before, um, you know, that full production will come back and the woman will be able to get pregnant. It's the same way in the male. Uh, if you've got hypogonadism and, you know, you may need medicine, like sometimes with females, after they've taken birth control pills for a long time, they go to the doctor and that doctor gives them Clomid and HCG. <laughs> and uh, and so you know when you're a bodybuilder and you've been using steroids that's what you do you you know you take clomid and hcg in order to uh, turn your testicles back on after you're finished using steroids and uh get your testosterone your natural testosterone and your sperm production back so if you're worried about being you know permanently infertile from steroids um that's that's like really not something that is a common occurrence and with uh hcg you can prevent yourself from ever even being uh shut down if you use that while you use steroids and then also uh you'll be able to use that for pct to turn your testicles back on so the bottom line is that the reason why the testicles um turn back on or turn off is the same reason uh, why the ovaries turn on or turn off when they are taking birth control or when a man is taking anabolic steroids. It's for the same purposes, okay? And so most of the stuff that you hear about, you know, like horror stories about fertility never returning is from online. It's, it's always online stuff. And there's a lot of really ridiculous, insane horror stories about a lot of medical conditions online. It is, it is real, though, that some guys will have permanently low testosterone unless they see a doctor after they've used steroids. Some guys have to have a doctor help them um, use the HCG correctly over the long term. And I'm talking like months and, you know, waiting years for their natural testosterone to return. So hypogonadal is a real thing or hypogonadism is a real thing, but it's not common and it isn't any different from a woman taking birth control pills or a man taking anabolic steroids. The The infertility uh, would come from the same reason. And, you know, taking birth control pills is not considered to be the most risky, crazy, dangerous thing by society. So, <laughs> so as far as uh, to answer Aaron's question again, just one last time. Um, if you couldn't maintain your gains after the cycle, that's because, uh, you know, you didn't have the steroids in your body anymore. And if you don't have the steroids in your body anymore, then your body is going to start slowly reverting 
back to the way it was when you weren't taking steroids. So it's the same way as if you go to the gym and you work out and then you stop working out. Well, your body is going to start slowly reverting back to the way it was when you didn't work out. So when you add or subtract a stimulus, that's what happens. So when you got, got off the steroids, you know, your body slowly starts going back to the way it was natural until you get back on the steroids again. And that's just the way it is. All right, next question is from Pogrom. Just finished a pointless Anavar, 50 milligrams every day, four-week cycle. Do you recommend PCT? If so, what should I take? Um, well, the main way that you're going to know uh, if you need PCT after a short Anavar cycle like that is uh, are your testicles shrunk? Like if you have small balls that are shrunk, then you definitely do need to do PCT or else you're most likely going to have uh, low testosterone for a while. Um, but if your balls aren't shrunk and, you know, you can get an erection fine, then, you know, you probably don't need to do a PCT and you're probably okay. So this is genetic response. Some people, when they take any kind of male hormones, so even a mild one like Anavar, they immediately uh, stop producing all testosterone and sperm, um, but then other guys still produce a bit, and then if they stop, it comes back real quickly, but then other guys don't, and they need some kind of a kickstart. But generally, the way that you would know um, if you need to do a PCT just anecdotally would be you'd feel your balls and say, are they shrunk? And figure that out. And then um, when you have an orgasm, like if not a lot of sperm comes out, uh, not a lot of semen comes out, that would be another symptom of being shut down. And then uh, the other one would be, is it uh, easy to get an erection? So if uh, all those are all systems go, you're probably fine and don't need a PCT. But uh, if you're having trouble in those areas, then you should probably take a PCT. And like I said in the past, HCG is the best PCT drug. And it's been studied the most and shown to be effective in studies by doctors uh, when given to guys who have used steroids and have hypogonadism, like long-term hypogonadism. They've been able to reverse it by giving them HCG. And usually the dosages for that are around two to 3,000 IUs per week in those studies. Um, and then the other best PCT drug is Clomid because that works on your brain uh, it works on your hypothalamus to start the uh, hypothalamic pituitary testicular axis it kick starts it off right at the beginning of it um, in comparison to HCG which uh, communicates directly with the testicles so HCG communicates directly with the testicles it's very effective um, for turning you your your reproductive system right back on so I'll just tell you that if I wasn't taking HCG, right? Because I do take HCG at 500 IUs per week year-round because I like to have a functioning natural reproductive system, okay? But um, if I wasn't taking it, my balls would be shrunk. But, you know, I am taking it, so my balls are not shrunk. But anyways, let's pretend for a minute that I wasn't taking it and I was taking steroids. So at the same time, I was taking steroids and not HCG. So that would shrink my balls. So then uh, I would start taking the HCG, right? Okay, now within, um, I'd take like a, sh a shot, right, on Monday. And then I would take another shot on like Wednesday, right? So if I did like a 1,000 I use Monday, a 1,000 I use Wednesday. Okay, then probably about on Thursday, or, or maybe Wednesday even, maybe Wednesday night or something. So three to four days after that first shot and after the second shot, uh, I would notice my balls get way bigger if they were, uh, if they were shrunk from steroids and I, and I took the HCG on that schedule. So it takes about three or four days to kick in 
and then uh, your balls will go back to normal size and start producing a normal testosterone and a normal amount of sperm too <laughs> pretty crazy stuff pretty crazy stuff all right the next question is from suave and he says do you need anti-estrogen tablets for 250 milligrams test propionate per week stacked with oral turinabol you know you probably won't need them but i would keep them on hand because you know estrogen is kind of a finicky thing and it can kind of spike and uh i mean you might you might need uh an anti-estrogen on that dose or you might not i'd say it's like a 50 percent chance you probably if you're asking this i would guess this might be your first cycle and you know the individual response between individuals is so varying when it comes to uh, how much estrogen you produce from testosterone some guys produce barely any you know and can take like high dosages of testosterone they just don't have much of the aromatase enzyme the enzyme that is uh it's made by fat cells and then it floats around in the blood and it converts it changes testosterone it transforms it into estrogen okay that's the aromatase enzyme some guys produce more of this enzyme than others there's a lot of enzymes in your blood that metabolize chemicals um they're made by different organs in the body the enzymes the liver makes a lot of enzymes too okay and different people uh, genetically produce different amounts of these enzymes uh, and they have powerful effects in the body and this is a reason why metabolism of drugs or breakdown of drugs is different in different people uh, so it if you haven't used steroids before and, and you don't know um, you know how much estrogen you produce then you absolutely have to have anti-estrogen tablets on hand uh, during your your 250 milligram test probe cycle stacked with oral turinabol uh, if you started the cycle without having that then what if you get problems you know like you what if you run into problems because you could um, just you know I would I would if I was using 250 milligrams of uh, testosterone propionate per week um, I would need a little bit of anti-estrogen tablet I would probably need like maybe two milligrams of Arimidex per week uh, that or maybe one or two 25 milligram eczemestane tablets per week i would need to take to uh, prevent estrogen side effects like burning itching nipples and gyno swollen prostate acne uh like whitehead acne is estrogenic acne um yeah trouble peeing stuff like that so i would need to take uh those anti-estrogen tablets for the dosage that you're planning on using you might not but if you've never used steroids before you got to have those things uh everything you need in case you get side effects the drugs you'll need to combat them you need to have them with you before you start taking the steroids or else you could you know run into some permanent side effects like uh, gyno bitch tits uh you know when you grow the tissue under your nipple and that's uh unsightly that that takes about 48 hours though after you notice the side effects after you notice the side effects the itchy burning nipples you got about 48 hours to take some anti-estrogen tablets till that turns permanent so <laughs> you gotta you gotta be on the ball man you gotta have everything you need before you start um i i don't have any uh gyno you know i've been using steroids for years and you know what it's fine whenever i notice uh estrogen I just take some anti-estrogen tablet you know I ha i'll either take a remedex or letrozole or eczemestane and i just have it on hand and uh, i take it on an as-needed basis so when i feel symptoms of high estrogen then i go to my arimidex and i take an arimidex tablet okay i take it as needed it's not some kind of urgent thing or something you need to be freaked out about it's just something that you need to be confident that you have legit supplies on hand to deal with the side effects but you don't need to be freaked out or be scared or worried or anything like that because you have time to react the guys who get screwed and get like some kind of stupid permanent side effect is the guy who wasn't prepared he didn't start 
with everything he needed. He started taking steroids before he had the drugs to deal with side effects that he needed to in case he got side effects from steroids. Okay, that's my opinion on that. Uh, our mesh says, does 25 milligrams T-ball build as much muscle as 50 milligrams D-ball? Does 300 milligrams trend build as much muscle as 600 milligrams trend? Uh, I don't really understand the last part of that question, but I understand what he's getting at. And this is, you gotta not make things so scientific, okay? Um, bodybuilding, uh, chemicals, if you try to get too scientific with it, you're focusing on the wrong thing. Uh, the, these minute kind of details where you're trying to figure out like the exact science of all this shit, it, it isn't going to matter in the long run. The, uh, the gains that you want, the physique, the performance-enhancing drugs, the benefits and everything, um, it's, it's more general than this. So don't get too caught up in these small details because you'll find that you're running in circles and not accomplishing uh, what you're setting out to accomplish. But I will, I will answer, uh, 25 milligrams T-ball, does it build as much as 50 milligrams D-ball? No, it does not. No, it does not. And, you know, the, you know, 50 milligrams of Dianabol per day is a very strong uh, effect. The effect that that has on your body, the effect that that would have on my body uh, is, you know, wow, huge changes in within days of taking it. Um, yeah, within days of taking it and, uh, huge gains in, um, you know, the perceived size and fuel storage and pump of my muscles. Yeah. Massive pumps in the gym. Um, and you know massive strength increases and also able to eat tons of food and turn it into muscle okay but um i'm just going to say you know the same dosage of t-ball okay so that was i was just now describing 50 milligrams of d-ball per day um you know 50 milligrams of turinabol t-ball uh per day you know that that would give me a boost it would make me stronger a bit it would make me a bit bigger uh, you know, like a cosmetic effect fuel storage, it would make me be able to eat uh, more food and turn it into muscle and recover from workouts better by doing that. Uh, but it wouldn't be like this wham whammo slam pow effect like D ball at 50 milligrams would give. Okay, the T ball it's just not like a really strong sledgehammer type of anabolic steroid hormone. It's like a, it's like a nice addition, like a nice edge. That's what you should think of T-ball as, is like, this is going to give me a nice edge, but it's not like this freaking sledgehammer, drop the bomb, baby, like D-ball is, okay? D-ball at 50 milligrams per day. D-ball at 100 milligrams per day is freaking sick, uh, but D-ball at 50 milligrams per day is also freaking sick, Okay. It's going to freaking transform you, okay, while you are on that stuff. So, <laughs> so that's the uh, comparison of Turinabol and D-Ball strength at the same milligramage. Next question is from Alec. He says, been on TRT for two years, and for every for several days after each testosterone injection, he feels sick and has flu symptoms. Anything to prevent this? Yeah, this is a pretty common thing that happens to guys. So you're having a reaction uh, to the hormone in, that is suspended in oil that you are injecting into yourself. So your body is getting this flu-like symptom because it's noticing that there's stuff that's been injected into your body from the outside and it's having kind of like a freak-out reaction to it. Um, I don't know if I'd call it an allergic reaction, but it's you know making y your body do do stuff that does not feel good so usually you won't get this on pharmaceutical grade testosterone so can i ask alec are you using pharmaceutical grade testosterone for your trt is it coming from the doctor or are you using trt that you know testosterone that you got from the gym or something um because if testosterone has uh if it was made with inferior ingredients like is done 
with a lot of underground lab-made steroids, steroids that don't come from the doctor. They're made with inferior ingredients a lot of times, and a lot of these ingredients are irritants. And uh, when you're when they get injected into your body, your body does not like it, and that's what causes uh, like swelling and redness at the injection site a lot of times. And what will also cause what what you have is called testosterone flu, or sometimes they say test flu. Uh, but usually good, high-quality testosterone uh, does not do this. If you are using pharmaceutical-grade testosterone that came from the doctor and you're still having this, um, you know, and it's been going on for two years, there, there's, there may be something like the oil that they're using to produce this, uh, this specific product or one of the sterilization ingredients is... Uh, it's you're allergic to it and and your body doesn't like it uh so in that case changing the brand could help you uh because the different brands are made with different uh ingredients some brands you know have the testosterone suspended in cottonseed oil others have it suspended in grapeseed oil so there's a possibility that you are allergic to one of the ingredients used in your brand of testosterone if you're experiencing testosterone flu on pharmaceutical grade testosterone from the doctor and if that is the case definitely let your doctor know and you guys look into getting a different brand uh, a different pharmaceutical grade brand from the doctor that uh, is made with different ingredients figure out what the ingredients are because it says on the on the bottle on the vial of your your testosterone it'll say what oils and what alcohols are in there to sterilize it and to suspend the testosterone crystals in the oil uh, and you know what it's made out of and you can figure out that and then try a different brand that is made with different suspension ingredients all right next question is from steven what is a good bulk cycle for an intermediate bodybuilder with steroids experience yeah so he just wants to know what's going to be a strong cycle because if you're an intermediate bodybuilder with steroids experience you don't want to do some kind of cycle that's not going to get you very good gains so i i know where he's coming from and the answer to this is that what you're going to want to do is you're going to want to take enough steroids that is going to equal between a thousand and two thousand milligrams per week because that's what the dosage that most of the guys who are jacked as fuck at the gym are running, okay? Somewhere between 1,000 to 2,000 milligrams per week would be an average dosage of steroids for that look. Um, guys who are look like animals, look like a house, look like freaking jacked, look huge, you know? Uh, those guys who you see them and you say... You know, you're not. I'm not talking about an IFBB pro. I'm not talking about that at all. But I'm just talking about, you know, you go to the gym and you see dudes and you're like, damn, that guy is jacked as fuck. You know, guys that look like that are almost always using steroids at dosages of total dosage. All the steroids that they're using combined together, somewhere between a thousand to 2,000 milligrams per week would be the total if you added up the milligram dosage of all the steroids that they use on average during their cycles. So if you're an intermediate bodybuilder with steroids experience, that's pretty much where you're going to want to start is because, I mean, that's already well known that that's, that's the way it is. Well, I mean, we are kind of in the dark ages, though, with steroids, so... It's like nothing is well known, you know, everything seems to be a question for, uh, unless you know, unless you know, for, uh, unless you're in the know, then everything is a question. So, uh, it's a really good question that you ask. And I would always go with starting with three cc's of testosterone per week, because that's where I feel that the full, uh, character of testosterone comes in with the least side effects you get the uh, really good uh, nutrient uh, partitioning effects of it and you get the uh, the big fullness in the muscles and you get the good recovery from workouts um, I feel like 500 milligrams per week is a little low to get those the full character and effect of the drug so um, 750 milligrams per week 
for me that gives or 700 milligrams per week of tespropionate is my preference uh so 100 milligrams every day uh is my preference uh i get the full character and the full effect of the drug at that dosage and most people i know it's uh the same with them so start out with that because testosterone makes every other steroid you use work way better and then you know you want to stack that with either an injectable that would be one that you like so usually that would be primobolin deca or trembolone uh because those are the only or equipoids because those are the only real uh injectable steroids other than testosterone that people are commonly using so you can run any of those at dosages between 600 to 1000 milligrams per week and get great results from them with the exception of trend you only need to run that at 300 milligrams per week to get great results at from it and you can get good results from 150 milligrams per week of trembolone uh, but the other ones the other injectables you're gonna need between 600 milligrams to a thousand milligrams per week and then um, as far as like my favorite steroids I, I like using like oral steroids in my cycles because oral steroids are really powerful man uh, like they have such great synergy with uh, testosterone so I think anadrol is one of the best steroids anadrol it really is great in the gym the effects are great the pumps are great the strength is great it even makes you strong without eating food um, and it makes you just like constantly bigger and more full and pumped up with like harder looking muscles and that's the thing is that um, some people say like there's water retention from anadrol man for the most part I don't really see that yeah you know when I see people on anadrol I don't see them looking like sucked down like they do when they use Winstraw, but I do see them looking like with the muscles bulging against the skin and it looks like any water retention is inside the muscles not outside the muscles between the muscle and the skin uh, seems like anadrol is almost a hardener because it doesn't add a bunch of subcutaneous water except for in some people that are have weird physiology but the average dude he doesn't get all like bloated because anadrol doesn't have any estrogen conversion uh anadrol doesn't have any estrogen conversion so he doesn't get all like bloated and shit like he would from like d-ball uh and he just gets bigger and harder and stronger with the muscles bulging against the skin and it makes you strong if you're not eating a bunch of food or not eating carbs you can still be like damn strong on anadrol so i like anadrol um super draw is more effective and stronger than anadrol and i do also really like super draw um but super draw is pretty damn toxic so if you take super draw for more than like four or five weeks you'll start to like get sick and it might mess with your eyes uh it might make like your eyes like red or like gray or something and uh you know it can start like harming your insides pretty quickly you know after four or five weeks but with anadrol you can take that for a more extended period of time and 50 to 100 milligrams of anadrol per day always works and it always like majorly kicks ass <laughs> yeah 50 to a milli 100 milligrams of anadrol per day combined with like 750 milligrams to a thousand milligrams of testosterone per week is like awesome and you know it seems to be able to be run for long periods of time without having extended toxicity um it is prescribed by doctors um for humans and it says this when you buy pharmaceutical grade anadrol it says that it's prescribed uh, for humans at one to four kilograms, uh, one to four milligrams per kilogram of body weight. So I'm a hundred kilograms, I'm about 220 pounds, and so that would mean that a doctor could prescribe me anywhere. The recommended prescription dosage is anywhere from one to four hundred milligrams per day of anadrol for me. You know, I have experimented with taking 300 milligrams of Anadrol per day, and that made me super sick, made me need to lay in bed, 
and made it so that I couldn't eat and had really bad acid reflux indigestion. So not fun. Um, if you get, by the way, if you get uh, indigestion or acid reflux from taking oral steroids, the solution to that is taking baking soda and drinking it. Or you can also buy baking soda in tablets called sodium bicarbonate tablets. If you get that acidic acid reflux in your stomach and coming up your throat from oral steroids, which a lot of guys do, or like the longer you take them or the higher dosages, or if you take clenbuterol, this can happen. You can get rid of that really nasty acid reflux uh, where you get this burning, disgusting feeling in your throat all day. You can get rid of that by taking sodium bicarbonate tablets or, or just getting baking soda and mixing it up and drinking it. And it works really well. So, yeah, that's what I would do. My, uh, I think a, a great intermediate cycle would be, uh, for some guy with experience, would be 750 to 1,000 milligrams of testosterone per week with 50 to 100 milligrams of anadrol per day, experimenting with those dosages. All right, next question is from Body Power. What is the longest period you have stacked Winstrol and Superdrol together? Uh, the longest period I've stacked uh, Winstrol and Superdrol together, I took 50 milligrams of Winstrol, and I took 20 to 30 milligrams of Superdrol per day with that. I'd do that for about four to five weeks. Um, yeah, that's that's about the period for me when I get the best bang for the buck, and then from there... It starts to slowly uh, but surely affect my health negatively more and more. Uh, Lee asks, a lot of your book, you emphasize high testosterone dosages. That's my book, Ultimate Guide to Roids. Apparently, Lee is a reader of it. Uh, how did you keep all of your hair with the high testosterone dosages? Yeah, so hair loss is a pretty easy explanation. And you either have the genetics for it or you don't, okay? So there are guys competing on the Mr. Olympia stage like Arnold Schwarzenegger and Jay Cutler who have full heads of hair. And then there are other guys like Phil Heath who have no hair. You know, they're bald. Um, and so if you have the genetics to lose your hair and you use steroids, especially testosterone, uh or trenbolone, uh, then your hair is going to fall out when you use the steroids, okay? Uh, but if you don't have those genetics, uh, it won't affect your hair. The reason why testosterone makes some people get hair loss is because they have the genes for hair loss. And that gene, when it has DHT or dihydrotestosterone attached to the hair follicle cell, that gene turns on. And this gene then programs the cell to die, okay? So the cell is then killed when it feels that or experiences the presence of the dihydrotestosterone molecule. So everybody, every man has this to some, to some little extent, but I really mean little when he hits puberty. Because when you hit puberty, your hairline moves back, okay? And that's a set predetermined amount. And then... That's not like male pattern baldness, though. That's just hitting puberty. And then, uh, so for those guys that then, you know, their hairline never, it doesn't keep receding after they turn like 18 or whatever, it stops and their hairline is just the same, you know, after they're about 18 years old, then if they use uh, steroids and testosterone, it, it doesn't make them lose their hair. It's the guys who are going to lose their hair or they're going to lose you know, they're already losing their hair or they're going to lose their hair soon. And then they use steroids or they use testosterone and the dihydrotestosterone, uh, especially, which is a chemical that gets manufactured in large quantities when guys are using testosterone dosages that are high, uh, will then attach to their, uh, their scalp and their genes are coded to say when you have that dihydrotestosterone kill the hair follicle cell so the hair falls out so one way that is successful in preventing hair loss um is like you said for guys for guys who have hair loss in their genetics these are the only guys that have anything to even think about with this if you don't have hair loss in your genetics then steroids will not make you lose your hair 
Okay, that's why steroids did not make me lose my hair, because I don't have hair loss in my genetics. It's not part of my genetic code. It's not in my genes. Okay, but for guys that do a protocol or way of using steroids that works to make them not have hair loss is to use DECA instead of testosterone. If they use the the DECA um, instead of testosterone, they don't get any dihydrotestosterone production in their body, and there's nothing to go uh, stimulate their hair follicles to die because they never receive any dihydrotestosterone message. So what makes dihydrotestosterone is this stuff called uh, 5-alpha reductase, which is another enzyme that's in your body, okay? So 5-alpha reductase is floating around in your body, in your blood, and when it finds testosterone molecules, it then transforms the testosterone molecule into a more potent molecule called dihydrotestosterone, okay? And so dihydrotestosterone is five times as potent at uh, making male characteristics uh, in the body than testosterone is, okay? But testosterone uh, is the muscle-building hormone, okay? It's the muscle-building hormone, and then dihydrotestosterone is the hormone that's responsible for all the other stuff like puberty uh all the changes that you go through in puberty is dihydrotestosterone but dihydrotestosterone gets inactivated when it enters muscle by an enzyme called 3 beta hydroxysteroid dehydrogenase and that's why it can't build muscle so that's why testosterone is the muscle building hormone and testosterone is the parent hormone the less potent parent hormone of dihydrotestosterone activating the androgens receptor or your male hormone receptors in your cells. So the the DHT uh, gets produced from testosterone, but if you don't by the uh, by the 5-alpha reductase enzyme, but if you don't take any testosterone, then there is no testosterone in your blood to be converted by the 5-alpha reductase enzyme to dihydrotestosterone. And instead, all you have is nandrolone or DECA in your blood, okay? And the DECA still does interact with the 5-alpha reductase enzyme, but it turns into dihydronandrolone. And dihydronandrolone is something like 80 times weaker than dihydrotestosterone, and it just doesn't activate the receptor, uh, the androgen receptor, the male hormone receptor, and the hair follicle that uh, signals hair loss. So... Guys that have had hair loss issues from steroids and they're really worried about that and they know they have hair loss in their genetics, the best, the guys who have the best success with still using steroids are the guys who use a lot of DECA. On the episode four of the podcast, there was a guy who used 1,200 milligrams of DECA per week and he was a competitor and uh, he's one of these guys. So there's uh, the DECA spiel. And also, Anavar is a really good steroid to use uh, for everything, but also for not having hair loss. So, Deca and Anavar is a fantastic stack with no testosterone uh, for guys who are prone to hair loss. Okay, the next question is from Rod Reese, and he says, If you do not inject testosterone deep enough and it goes into subcutaneous fat tissue, will it get irritated? The answer is yes. Um, if you do not inject testosterone deep enough and it goes into subcutaneous fat issue, tissue, it can get red and swollen and create like a lot of irritation in there. So when this happens, this is always from guys who are using insulin syringes uh, to inject. So if all you can get your hands on to use for an injection is an insulin syringe, just make sure that it's at least half an inch long, okay? Don't get an insulin syringe that has a needle that is less than half an inch long because you won't be able to get it deep enough into you to prevent this from leaking out and causing irritation and rashes and swelling in your skin, okay? when it Because it, if you don't do it deep enough, it can leak up out of the hole that you create in the muscle, the oil, and get all mixed up in there with the subcutaneous fat and skin tissue and cause a, a mess so this is easily corrected by using one inch long needles to do your steroids injections intramuscular injections with one inch long needles then you won't have to worry about this at all um, some people even use one and a half inch needles but one inch needle is fine that's all it needs to be that's as deep as it needs to be and when you do the injection you bury the whole thing in okay um 
but if you're using an insulin syringe then just make sure it has a half inch needle and make sure that you're injecting into a lean area of your body and that you push it all the way in and kind of like keep some tension or pressure on that while you're uh, pushing it into the muscle to make sure that it's getting in there as deep as possible and then you can uh, avoid having that problem of the steroids leaking out of your muscle tissue if you would like your questions to be answered on the steroids podcast go to steroidspodcast.com and leave a comment with your questions or email or private message steroidspodcast at gmail.com or steroidspodcast on instagram until next time